Hi guys, welcome to the Try a New Frequency with Amber podcast. My name is Amber Schnell and I'll be your host. My podcast is for anyone who loves music videos and living a life of synchronicities. A focus will be on music videos from back in the day when MTV actually played music videos. My goal is to help challenge old ways of thinking, to have an open discussion about music videos and to connect it to our current reality. I live a life full of daily synchronicities and would love to have you join me on my journey. And I'll also be bringing on spiritual experts to interview. So let's have fun, listen to great music and raise the frequency in our lives. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Super excited to have you here. It's been a while since we connected and I have a special guest on with me today. Her name is Megan O'Malley. So welcome, Megan. Hey, hey. So happy to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you. And you picked a unique song for us to go over at the end. Everyone, we're going to go back to September 2014. It's Catch and Release by Matt Simons. So with saying that, again, super happy to have you here. So first things first, Megan, you have quite the diverse background. I figured instead of me kind of throwing it all out there, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how Megan O'Malley coaching and Awkward Goddex were started. Wow, that's like a whole podcast. So I'll just give the key sort of lily pad hops to to where I am now. And my background was I had a really diverse schooling growing up in Charlotte and went to a historically black high school and then fell in love with Spanish language, went to college, double majored as a classic achiever type in Spanish and Latin American studies, thinking that people were going to pay me all of the money to serve and support the farm workers. Um, They did not. So I realized I fell in love with humans and, and learning about humans, which eventually led me to become a therapist. I did child and family therapy and then, you know, working with adults because I found that working with the parents was really powerful. Did that for over a decade. Had a dear, dear friend who was a coach and a therapist who told me persistently because I can be stubborn that I was a really phenomenal therapist, but I was really a coach and didn't know it. And so I went to coach training And as soon as I walked in the room, I went through CTI and they put a model on the board that said, at the core of everything we do is the belief that people are inherently creative, resourceful, and whole. And when I saw that, I had tears and I knew I was with my people and I had been doing spiritual work ever since I can remember, just keeping it kind of tidy in the closet while I was doing most of my therapy work. And so when I found coaching, I was able to start bringing those things out of the closet and into my work in the world to become a more integrated human being. And now I I call myself a coach. I change my title all the time, just like I change my logo. As you might imagine from my story, I change a lot. That's part of what I stand for is evolution. But I really see myself as a guide. I'm a seer. I'm an intuitive. I'm an empath. I have a ridiculous toolbox for growth from things I learned through somatic psychotherapy, applied neuroscience. I I love the nerdy stuff as well as the spiritual stuff. And and my practice allows me to bring it all. So at this point, I really specialize in working with creatives, healers, entrepreneurs, and people who are ready to do deep dive stuff. It's my joy. I can tell it's your passion. And that's what really got me excited bringing you on today, because I'm kind of into the nerdy stuff too, into quantum physics. And I went down that rabbit hole and love it. Welcome. Yeah, right. And the spiritual side, I'm glad, you know, that's the thing for me. When I had my spiritual awakening, I didn't really 
have to be quiet about it because I was at the point in my life that I was ready to speak where a lot of people find it when they're younger or I've had friends that don't say anything for many, many years. I can't imagine having all this knowledge and not saying anything. So how cool it is that you can share everything you know and help the masses. Yeah. And I know that's what I'm meant to be all about is creating a voice of permission for us to be our paradoxical human selves. Cause we're all of it. We are taught a very linear polarizing view of how we're meant to show up. And we are the both. And I mean, part of my journey was I was doing all of this spiritual work and also dancing and performing hip hop. Like I don't look, if y'all could see me on the screen, I don't look like the woman who would be dancing, performing hip hop. But when we really let all these different sides come through it, that is when magic happens. It truly is. We attract the people that are meant for us, the opportunities that are meant for us. And we, the song actually that we're going to be talking about connects to this idea of deconditioning. We come into this life as humans being taught away from who we actually are. And And I think spiritual awakening is really about remembering who we actually are so that we can live that. And that's a big fucking deal. Oh, I know. My friend and I were just talking about this yesterday. We actually said, like, we come into this world and basically she she said she felt like we're blocked. But then we have to, I said, we have to deprogram from everything that we learn as we get older. It's so sad. And it's hard. I mean, we are, we are creatures of community and belonging. And so we have to go against that inclination to fit in and feel connected and loved and all these rules of self-betrayal around love. We have to confront all of those to, to come home to who we actually are. So it's a lot of coaching. It feels like says like, well, just be who you are, which is a great theory, but in practice it is heavy, brutal lifting, you know, it's like, you don't get the beauty without the grit. Well, you have to let go of the fear of judgment. I've had to learn other things. Yeah. Because if people don't understand it and I jokingly say, woo, woo, you know, and it's kind of the joke, but for me, it's serious, you know, because I know the truth and the reality of what it is. So like I said, with you having magic, a lot that you speak of, I'm really, really interested in knowing more about the radical magic mastermind. So can you kind of speak to that and what that is? Yes. I love to speak about that. So I am calling the essence of my work in the world now radical magic, because it's the merging of the very real mystical side of things, actual magic, like quantum, quantum physics, oracle cards, all of that stuff. I call it, um, I speak of woo with a capital W in the reclaimed way. I'm not minimizing it. I'm reclaiming it. So there's that part. And then the radical part is really inviting people to look at all of the values and stories we are taught through the systems of oppression that shape us. You know, we all are born into patriarchal white supremacy type culture. We all are, regardless of our background, like those are the core values, core values of competition, of hierarchy, of self-betrayal, of scarcity, all these things. And 
So my misterminds, which I, I use the word mastermind instead of mastermind, because there's like a mystical, mysterious aspect are all about building community and relationships that orient around the new narrative of deconditioned being and conjuring actual magic. Because when you have a group of people holding intention together, that is when magical possibilities emerge because there's, there's actual amplification of the desire. And I build communities of, of love. Like my business used to be called Fierce Love. And, and so people fall in love with each other in, you know, boundary appropriate ways, but they fall in love with each other. And then they get the privilege of holding intentions for and with other people. And there's lots of quantum science around how there's a boomerang effect. When we joyfully hold intentionality for others, we naturally get some boomerang magic. And so I think most of our wounding comes from not feeling accepted and supported in relationship and community. And so I think the way to heal those, those like things that hide in the shadows and corners of our psyche through community. And so that's what these Mr. Minds are. They, they're geared towards people who are in the entrepreneurial creative space, thought leadership, things like that, but they're holistic in nature. You know, I've had people who were trying to get pregnant, get pregnant. I've had people who have left relationships in them and felt finally the support to be aligned. And all of this is happening because when that happens, business growth and abundance happens because alignment leads to abundance. So it's a space of magic and deep, beautiful deconditioning, reconditioning and reclamation. And I love it. It is just my absolute joy, as you can probably feel the sparkles coming through the podcast waves. <laughs> I can. It makes me definitely want to connect with you after in more detail because I could use some of that right now in my own world and definitely the type of people that I'm looking for, it sounds like. So my listeners are very much so probably going to want to connect as well. Just a great community sense. That's amazing. I feel like so many people feel alone. And I've been really seeing that and researching that where people feel more like lonely or that nobody else is like them, where if you really look and reach out, there's more people actually like you than not. Absolutely. And we're taught to pack our humanity away. And therefore, of course, we feel alone because nobody's showing their cards. And I believe that the people who are on a mission of purpose in the world are often called to create the thing that they wanted but couldn't find in the world. And I, being a complete nerd for growth, have, have done lots of programs, have done lots of things. And I hadn't found a space that was a mix of sort of that grounded woo, right? So nice structure, nice, all kinds of stuff with unapologetic magic and deep, clean intimacy where, you know, it was, it wasn't a bunch of entrepreneurs coming together to pretend like they had all their shit together, which I could go with never going to another event like that in my whole entire life. They just feel, I mean, I'm an introvert, so they're very hard for me. I'm like, I could, I, I would rather throw up than small talk. So oh, exactly. And it's <laughs> fake for me, nothing gets, yeah. I don't have time for it. And I, I do have time for people, but not time for that. Yeah. And nourishment, right? And when we're real with each other and we see our humanity in others and we allow ourselves to be seen, it's nourishing. It's like the medicine that we've been looking for and couldn't find in the world because our world is not built around those values. Unfortunately. 
Yeah, yes. absolutely not. I wish that it, I hope Working I on really it. think that in the next five to 10 years, because I don't know about you, but I look back 10 years ago and I feel we've made leaps and bounds progress in about five to 10 more years. I have a feeling more freaky and more natural healing is going to be quote unquote normal. Normalized. Yeah. Well, we're in the age of Aquarius, right? And last time we had the age of Aquarius, it was a time of profound innovation and deconditioning. And, and we moved into that sometime during COVID. I don't do dates very well, but I remember we moved into that and I have this real sense we are in a, and I think COVID is part of it, wouldn't wish it on anyone, but part of this collective awakening because we can't, we literally couldn't do things the way we always had. So it made us assess our values. And I'm sure you are similar as a, as a woman on the path of awakening. Like we don't learn through the easy times. We learn through the times we have to learn. And I think collectively we are in that, whether it's working from home or working at an office, doing jobs that, that you either hate or love doing just how we treat other people, the awakening around social justice that should have happened so long ago, but finally is being discussed more openly. Like it makes me hopeful. I think this is my Scorpio rising. I'm like, finally, we're talking about the stuff that we've been ignoring so that we can create change. You know, and I had a unique experience within the last week. It's kind of unique that you're bringing this up. I never noticed this before And it wasn't until obviously all the news, but I had turned on an intersection and I felt like it was slow-mo. I was really nervous actually. And that's why it stands out and I'm bringing it up. It was a white police officer with a a younger African-American boy. And Mm -hmm. I was watching it and he was like walking away from the officer and I could see it while I was driving and I could see the fear, like he wanted to run, but was scared and Yep. I, I couldn't do anything, but I understand why he felt as he did, even though I don't think the officer was doing anything wrong, you know, trying to talk to him. It was just where I would never have noticed that before. I don't think, or felt that sense of, I wanted to help the young boy. Yep. Absolutely. And I think this is, this is the way healing these deep, deep societal cultural wounds works. It's like, we have to see them and grieve them, whatever side we're on through deep empathy and compassion. So I think we've had a lot of years of white folks being able to not see these moments and have no awareness and no, no emotional connection to it. To I mean, all you have to do is talk to one black mama and here, who, who is terrified of like life or death terror of her child running when they shouldn't run or something like that to know. And just, I mean, I've cried my own tears in, you know, by myself, not putting that on anyone else of like, as a mom myself, just scratching the surface of imagining what it would be to live in that life. And that has been normalized, which is just you know, I'm glad that it's become a hot mess so that we can have more people that are able to have that moment kind of like you had of like, even just the question, deep empathy. And then the question of what do I do? You know, and I've been in lots of conversations with people because this has been, I went to my first diversity camp in eighth grade. Um, So it's been a conversation I've had for a long time. And just like 
you know, like as a white person, you can pull off on the side of the road and just be there and, and observe and be like an accountability person. Right. And even I would have never thought of that without having these conversations that are happening. I would have stopped at the helplessness. And so I think together we can start to solve some of these problems and it's messy and uncomfortable and there's guilt and shame and all the grossness of our human experience. But, you know, and it's having conversations like these, though, that make people more aware and feel comfortable talking. And that's what I want to talk about uncomfortable things to make it more comfortable. I didn't have a space, unfortunately, to pull over. Or I would have uh, yeah. the way that it was set up. But I, it he still crosses my brain. I'm like, I hope nothing yeah. happened, you know, uh, to this day. But it was weird, though, because the officer, you could tell, was looking at all the cars driving by. Uh-huh. Good. He should. Yep. So it was like, as I get full body chills, um, it was definitely something that the feelings were all there. And it was my first experience. And I'm kind of like you said, I'm glad that I was able to because before all the stuff that's went on the last few years, I would have blinders on. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, you, I believe we reach a certain point in our life. Hopefully, I, I see it actually as a blessing where we look back, and it starts to make sense. And, and I look back on my life and I'm, I'm an open book in many ways. So here I am. I, you know, I, my parents divorced when I was very young and I, I had the blessing that did not feel like a blessing for a long time of living in two different worlds. And in my mom's world, she was a school counselor, diversity trainer at some point, peer mediation, like all that kind of stuff that makes sense for who I am. And then my dad's house that I would go to every other week, he was a police officer He was, I mean, he had very strong feelings about me ever considering dating somebody of a different race. Like it was as polar and I was terrified of him, terrified of him my whole life, but I had to go. Right. And so I like my actual energetic body had to go back and forth between these two worlds that now we're talking about pretty Overtly. And so when this stuff started happening, I was like, oh, I'm made for this. Like I've been training for this, living abroad, going to diversity camp, having the dad I had, having the mom, like it all makes sense because I've, I've been forced to have some different perspectives that serve me in this deconditioning journey that I'm here to do for myself and hopefully support a lot of other people with. Oh, you will hugely. I mean, I feel just in connecting with you here in this space that that's what your purpose is here to do. And like you said, all the training and life experiences have led you to where you are. And when I brought up quantum physics earlier, I, when I saw the word quantum biofeedback coaching sessions, that excited me so much. So <laughs> I figured could, if you could explain what that kind of session looks like, because that was something I'm interested in as well. Yeah. So I can talk about what it looks like for me in my practice and talk about what the actual technology is. So the actual technology, I have my best friend, Laura, who actually is my partner in Awkward Goddicks. She is getting her PhD and I'm going to get it wrong, but basically it's in all sorts of, um, it's from Quantum University, and it's like a whole array of energetic healing modalities that she she is learning to get her PhD in this thing. And she introduced me to the quantum biofeedback, I guess at this point, 
maybe three years ago, again, timelines. But basically what it is, is there's technology that has been around in the quantum physics realm for a while, but it's been, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars to access it and all of the complicated ways to actually use it to make sense of it for normal people. But what they've done is they've made it accessible to normal people. And it it takes you use a voice recording and it, it actually can determine the frequencies in one's voice to show what energetically is out of harmony and balance in the energetic field. Because for people who aren't familiar in the quantum physics realm, we have waveforms of potentiality in our, in our energetic field, in the field, in the world at all times. And through focus and intention and truth and alignment and all these different things, they collapse into reality. And it's a moment of like, that's when the quantum shift happens. And so the idea is if we can identify the things that are out of harmony in our energetic field before they become physical, we have greater choice and we can use our intention to create shifts because the moment you acknowledge something, you create an energetic shift. And the moment you put intention towards it, you, you create an energetic shift. So this technology that I use, that I love, Laura introduced me to it. I was her guinea pig. I would, I'm a skeptic at times. And so I would like go to my acupuncturist and then within 24 hours, have her run the quantum biofeedback on me and test to see if it identified the same meridians that were out of harmony. And it did a lot of times. And I have, I have panels, there's, there's all types of panels. So I have panels on core beliefs, emotions, meridians, chakras, um, spinal panels, food allergies, just, you name it. There's a lot of different things because the idea is the pattern shows up in all different kinds of ways. It shows up in the way that we're most ready to acknowledge it. So a food allergy could point to early childhood trauma, or it could be a core belief that shows up that points to that same thing that's ready to be healed. And so I use that as a starting place because any biofeedback, I did um, neurofeedback years ago, which is the brain-based biofeedback. So identifies the brainwaves and it's biofeedback reflects what is so that we can know it on a conscious level. And so I start by sharing what came up and I always tell people no technology is of higher priority than your inner guidance. And so take what serves you, take what resonates, recycle the rest. And so I share that. And then um, of course we always have an intention before we start anything. And then I do journey work while the quantum biofeedback runs because the, the cool thing is it identifies things, but then you, you sort of put different intentions into a bucket and I, I call it custom Reiki. It's not really Reiki, but people understand what Reiki is. And I'm, I've had my Reiki attunements. I've done Reiki, but it, it creates a frequency of energy coming to that person that is custom made for that moment, for the, the energies that want and need to come into greater harmony. And so during that journey or guided imagery, whatever you want to call it, we create a space of openness on the subconscious level, and then it moves that energy and Typically within anywhere from 24 to 72 hours after they get an opportunity to practice the shift in the 3D so that they can get that embodied experience. So it's pretty magical and fun and it it moves things on the conscious and unconscious level, which is what I'm all about. A lot of folks just work on the conscious level and that is like 5% of who we are. That is absolutely beautiful. Wow. I didn't know such a technology existed. 
I did not either, which is why as soon as I got over myself and realized how effective it was, I bought it and started using it. And I use it a lot in my own life. I broke my foot close to two months ago and like I have a bone healing panel. So I can run frequency to support my bone healing and then all of the emotions that have come of that, right? Because compromising my ability to do stuff. And so it's, it's really beautiful. And it's a, I find it to be a light technology. You know, sometimes energy work and spiritual work has a real jarring effect, which can be traumatic for folks. And sometimes we need to be jolted and jarred, but, but this has a way, it's a really beautiful invitation for organic shifts toward healing, which, which I love. It feels kind. It sounds amazing. So Megan, it's just, uh, it blows my mind what's available there. And can this be done then virtually from afar? Yeah, all of my work is virtual now. And, and part of what I love about energetic modalities is energy doesn't play by the same rules as matter. And so time and space doesn't really apply, you know? So sometimes ancestral healing comes up and I'm working with somebody and we're healing an ancestral line in a session because that energetic shift wants to ripple back or it wants to ripple forward. So yeah, it doesn't matter where people are. So these sessions I do typically on the phone because I find in Zoom, people are more, they're distracted by the visual and they're self-conscious and on the phone, they can go to that inner place. So that's usually how I do that. That makes sense. I have a friend that does work and she does it all via telephone for that same reason. And it makes sense. When I did some sessions with her, I did feel more at peace and more in my head and space. So that's wonderful. Now I do have to ask, because it's a question that's just kind of ruminating here. Does insurance cover at all? Insurance covers nothing I do. And that was, that was one of the many, many reasons I left my identity as a therapist is I remember even doing neurofeedback, which is a very sciencey thing, right? It's brainwaves. Insurance wouldn't cover that. So I wasn't allowed to integrate that into any session legally. So there were all these rules that prevented me from doing the thing that I felt would most serve my clients. And so working with insurance or working with a licensure board from a medical model profession really, unfortunately, at this time can be limiting. So I'm off-roading in all of the ways now. The the benefit is that I work with a lot of people who own their own businesses and it's a write-off because anything somebody does is going to enhance their business. And inevitably, like if somebody's working on relationship, it's also going to be reflected in their business. If somebody's working on business, it's also going to reflect their relationship with others and themselves. So it's like, I'm a big walk and write-off, but no insurance. That's good to know because I've taken different coursework and obviously with the business, that's something that people can write off. But yeah, to know that that is awesome. Now we're on a podcast. Mine's all about spirituality and you know, bringing on experts and natural healing and music videos and whatnot. I did listen to your podcast called Magical Humaning Podcast. So what does magical humaning mean? <laughs> I love to make up words and and really lead with my quirky self at this point in my life because I was buttoned up for far too long. And for me, magical humaning is about creating a space in the podcast world, in the world that is for conversations around embracing our full humanity. Because I believe when we embrace our full humanity, 
which is a big old disco ball of all the different things, that is when the magic happens. That is when the dream relationship comes. That is when the job opportunities come. That is when you have that magical connection in the person sitting beside you and on the airplane is by embodying who we actually are. That is when it happens. And so I wanted to create conversations that affirm that and that give people tools to support that. Because again, we're not taught that that's okay. In fact, we're taught quite the opposite. I'm going to share a link in the show notes to your podcast. I really enjoyed listening in on, and I feel like the listeners today will want to check it out for sure. Wonderful. Well, it is my, at this point, it is my greatest joy in my work world. I have, I've decided to cut out things that feel heavy and hard and only do the things that make me feel joyful. And that means I've I'm on a social media sabbatical because I couldn't half-ass social media. I felt responsible for all of the things all the time. But my podcast really feels like a love note that I get to send to people because not everyone can work with me directly, but that doesn't mean that I can't love up on people and share my hard-earned wisdom through a way that feels really fun. So great. (laughs) Now, this question, I feel comfortable enough asking. So, I told you I'm very Mm open-minded, love to talk clearly. (laughs) And you mentioned, okay, it's time to start having deep conversations that are messy, unapologetic, unfiltered, and yes, sometimes uncomfortable, while at the same time being wildly affirming of the authentic human experience. What is an area of the human experience that you question or feel that humans don't pay enough attention to? Wow. There's so many, there's so many, let's see. I think one is that we don't know how to grieve or feel the, the emotions that we have deemed negative. I think we grief is a, it's a powerful ingredient for change because grief points us to what matters. So grief and anger, I love, I talk about sacred rage. So these feelings that have been shunned and disowned, I think is a big part. I think things like valuing relationship over outcome and process over destination, just there's all kinds of things. And then things that are taboo feeling, you know, things like sex, And sexuality and the energetics around that are huge money. I'm doing with Awkward Goddess. Lara and I are almost finished with our course called Money Magic, Three Months of Deconditioning Money Fuckery. We don't talk about money and money is never about money, just like sex is never just about sex. It's something that shows us those deeper patterns that we're inevitably playing out in multiple places around self-worth, trust, um, safety, whatever. So I think that when we can go to those tender places and create spaces and communities to actually meet them like eye to eye, the amount of healing and transformation that's possible is phenomenal. It truly is magical and mind blowing. But the thing that we have really not done well over the years is creating safe spaces. And I don't mean safe as in comfortable. I mean, safe as in necessary, enough respect, enough boundaries to allow those conversations to happen. I was just thinking in my head, the word boundaries. So when you just said that, I think that's a huge area that people struggle with. And another area that I find 
it's difficult to explain the spiritual realm to humans who are closed minded, because if they don't physically see something, they don't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. difficult to me. How, I guess, do you have any words in specific that you use or ways? So if someone's listening, even, and they're like questioning the woo or spiritual realm that you say to people to get them to understand it a little more? Well, the first thing I'm called to say is I don't try to get anybody to understand anything anymore. One of my great spiritual lessons was their sacred path, their sacred pace. And if they're not ready to have that conversation or if they don't ever want to have it, I am at complete peace with that. You know, that's harder in the inner circle relationships like family. But at the same time, if somebody's not open to it, they're never going to be open to it. Saying it in a different way, pushing harder only makes them more resistant. So that's what I would say about that. And then the other part is spiritual concepts are universally human is what I like. I know that part of my path is to talk about things in a way that don't feel exclusive and yoga voicey. Like I am meant to talk about them as these just universal human things. And I think anyone, regardless of religious background or spiritual orientation or identity around spirituality, if I said, you know, sometimes you just, you just kind of know a thing, or sometimes you get this feeling about a person or a place. And if I say it like that, most people that makes sense to, or, you know, sometimes something just kind of feels right, or you get lost in your head, even though the thing feels right, they get that. And so uh, again, a lot of what I do is helping people connect to their inner guidance in a non- I don't even know what to call it. Like without all these rules that we put on spirituality and all these identities, it's just, you know what you know. And I'm just going to remind you that it's okay to know what you know and follow that and be brave as much as you can. And then see what happens because my guess is it's going to be pretty magical (laughs) when you trust yourself more. Exactly. I think kind of the point you're getting across is not to be thinking so linear. Absolutely not. I mean, at the, the linear life is very overrated. And what I find though is, I mean, certainly I attract people that are curious and open because I am who I am, but I, I don't have to lead. Like, I don't have to tell people, I feel your ancestors are present in the session, right? I don't have to say that. I, I can hold that. And I, cause I'm not prove, I'm not trying to prove myself as an intuitive. I just am I'm wanting to support healing. And so, but what, what people will say is they'll, they'll open the door. They'll say a thing that gives me permission. And then when they open the door, I can say, you know, that's interesting. I felt your grandpa's energy here in our whole conversation. And then they go, I feel him sometimes. And and then they are claiming it, right? It's not somebody trying to tell them or be the expert. That's a thing that I've, that was part of why I resisted coming out as an intuitive was I never wanted to be somebody that was asserting higher knowledge than the other person. I want them to claim their higher knowledge. And I didn't want to seem predictive or all these assumptions that people make. I just want to be affirming because you spot it, you got it. You know, if somebody sees mine, it's because they're ready to unpack theirs. And my job is to just help them do that without my ego being involved. I mean, we're all humans with ego. So of course I have to do my own work to check that, but we all do. Yeah. It's part of the path. 
It is for <laughs> sure. So Megan, what stood out to me again was that you work with the full moon in your life. I've heard you say it uh, on your podcast and on your website. Can you tell me more about the importance of that for you? Yeah, I. it took me a long time to realize that we are we are creatures of nature who naturally want to work with cycles and seasons around us. I, I was trained in the linear life like so many. And also years ago, I did some shamanic training where I realized that ritual really isn't about somebody telling you to do a thing in a certain way. It's about assigning meaning to intentionality. And so holding both of those led me to just naturally and organically start working with the moon. I just started feeling a connection to her. It's, it represents a lot of divine feminine energy. And so the full moon is, is for me all about a time of assessment of what has run its course, what needs to be released, what now have I seen in this last season of, of my life that, that no longer serves. And then by releasing that, what am I making space for? And what am I ordering up? from the universe, rather than being in this, I think for a lot of my life, I was in this very passive phase of, well, whatever you want to, if you have any crumbs left, you can give them to me, no big deal, kind of a thing. And I tap into the power of the moon. I mean, the moon creates tides. That's a thing. That's a lot of power. And I just, I do ritual. I I often burn things and then do moon water that I sip in the morning, things like that. But what I, what I remind people of is it doesn't matter what you do. You could put gummy bears out under the moon and say, please imbue these gummy bears with the, my, my wishes for possibility and eat the gummy bears in the morning. And that would be a thing. You know, there's, there is research around water and how molecularly it can hold intention in really powerful ways, but really you can imbue anything with intention. So I work with the full moon, but I also love working with the new moon and the archetypes, the astrological archetypes that accompany them. Cause I think we also go on this annual journey month by month of working with specific energies and how to like what needs to be released around that and what needs to be called in around that theme. So it feels very playful for me, which I love and it feels magical and I put crystals in water and it looks pretty and you can't beat it. My friend and I, we totally in May with the blood moon, we put out water and drink. It was the first time either of us had done something like that, but we're just really getting into the moon work. So I was interested to hear kind of how that path played out and it works for you. Yeah. And I love integrating it into my groups because I I work mostly with female identified folks, female identified or non-binary. And like when you get a bunch of feminine energy aligned with the moon and intentions, it's, it's really powerful. Amen to that. It amps things up and I'm a fan. Like let's, let's make the most magical change possible. As quick as possible, right? As quick <laughs> as possible. Let's go. And quick in the way that is most aligned, right? Because most, most of us, a lot, an, another thing I talk about a lot is we aren't like, we have to let our physiology catch up and our nervous systems have to be retrained to take more and more risk or to open more and more to receive these things that we learned weren't safe. And so rapid change is really valued in our culture, but it actually can be really traumatic. I mean, look at child stars, for example, right? They get famous overnight. How many of them end up with substance abuse problems or things like that? Because it wasn't safe 
for that much change to happen so fast. So quick change in the most caring, kind and long-term supportive way. Way to put it for sure. And you have so much knowledge and what just, it, it blows my mind. So I'm hoping that maybe you have two to three resources that have kind of helped you that may help others. I am a walking bookshelf. I like if I'm giving people books all of the time, let's see which ones want to come through today. One thing that I work a lot with is human design. That was a life-changing thing for me to learn my energetic type and to start to live my life aligned with that, which is why I use it with all my clients and programs now. So playing in the realm of human design is fun. You can just Google it and play. So that's one thing. Another resource that's wanting to come through, so there must be some of your listeners that want this, is a book called Existential Kink. I'm trying to see by Carolyn Elliott, I believe is her name. It is for people who are like ready to go there. It is, it really points to shadow work, but from a pleasure activist perspective, which breaks your brain, right? Like we're taught that shadow work is supposed to be heavy and hard. And she talks about it in terms of like fully embracing your kink. Like I love being a martyr. I love giving from an empty cup and, and allowing ourselves to kind of challenge that shame stuff that keeps drawing it to us. So that's a big one. And the quantum realm, Joe Dispenza really, really opened that for me. He talked about it in a way that I really appreciate and value. And the book that I I read that opened that was Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, which I actually find to be a terrible title, but I love the book. And that really helped me understand because I'm not a science brain. I I never loved science or social studies, dates and numbers. Like I could do math, but the rest of it, if it didn't have context, didn't, didn't really do it for me. And, and he described it in a way that was really helpful. So I've got tons, but I will stop at those because that's kind of a little, a little smattering. Those are great. And I'll put those also in the show Mm -hmm. notes so people can take a look on that. So Megan, do you have any new or coming soon uh, areas with your business that you'd like to share with the listeners that they can keep an eye out for? Actually, at this point, I don't. Usually I'm always creating, but I am doing something radical in my own life. And I'm taking the month of January and December off completely to embrace radical rest. I'm a content machine and a creation machine. And I'm allowing myself to authentically winter. So what I would say is, you know, I've got, I've got some one-on-one coaching spots available until then for a shorter term sprint. But in 2023, if folks want to get on my newsletter now, because I'm pouring all of my social media energy that I'm not using into my newsletter, that there's going to be a lot of cool shit coming out in the new year because I will be bursting at the seams. So my new group program, which is going to be, like a Mr. Mind 5.0, it's going to be different than the way I've done them is going to be coming out in the new year, which I'm really excited about. I can't believe the year's halfway done. So it's not that much longer. I can't wait to read about it then in your newsletter and to find out more. Now, if someone wants to connect with you, Megan, where would you say is the best way for them to find out more about you and your work? So they can go to my website, which is MeganO'MalleyCoaching.com, which sounds like it'll be in the show notes, Megan with an H. They can learn about me through the Magical Humaning podcast. 
podcast and through my website, sign up for my newsletter, which will will have updates on podcasts, but also just cool stuff that I want to share. And if they're social media people, my social media profiles are still up with tons of content, but I'm not there managing them. So they can kind of go into the the chronicles of Megan O'Malley coaching there and, and play, but I won't be messaging. Yep. No, I respect that entirely. Awesome. Well, now we get to go on to the music video you chose, Megan. And again, everyone, it was released in September 2014, catch and release by Matt Simon. So it's a deep house genre. And I guess I want to kind of know why did you choose this song out of all the songs out there? So this song came to me like an angel, as if angels brought it into my life. And I I actually didn't know when it came out. I just know when I found it. But now I know that it came out right before I got the very clear message that my first marriage was over. And so it came, I think it was in October 2014, that I had the awakening about my marriage. And so this song came on the scene in the collective right before that. And it was the song that really helped me from that point on in my own deconditioning journey, because I really now day to day, think about how much stuff I take in and what I'm called to let go. And it was like all of the words in this song spoke to that in the way I needed them to so that I could live from a place of greater love. And it's fun. It feels good to listen to this song. It's not, I don't know. It was, it just angels through internet music is how it came to me. I don't know how I didn't know about the song. Honestly, it blew my mind because it is, it's so beautiful. Yeah. So what I kind of gathered out of the lyrics music video itself was kind of unplugging ourselves from the pressures of day-to-day life and to connect with, you know, our deeper truth and finding whatever our inner peace is. Yeah. What are the things that you turn to often to release tension from a day? Woo! I've got a pretty good toolbox. I think music has always been huge for me. I have found such healing in music and it's been a love language as long as I can remember in life. So that's, that's one thing. Dance before I conveniently broke my foot. Dance was a big part of my life and nature. The older I get, the more I need to be grounded in nature. So walking my dog, things like that and humans. I've built a community of people who really see me deeply so that they can remind me of who I am when I forget and help me stay grounded in the truth rather than all the stuff I pick up from the world or have picked up from the world that's rearing its head. Absolutely. I choose meditation, uh, audio. I do that too. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's a given, but like spiritual stuff is kind of a gift. It is. I'm like, that is a given. And then audiobooks for me when I'm walking my dogs are huge. I get through so many books. I get all these like alerts, like, oh, you're achieving all these. It's just the amount of books I go through is wild. And then obviously art. And as you said, nature, I think the older I get, the more I value and respect trees Yeah. and their significance and their stories. So now with the music video itself, did anything stand out to you in particular or any lyrics? 
I think just the, we're just catching and releasing what builds up, builds up throughout the day. And then I'm not, I wish I was looking at the lyrics now, but there's something about coming back to love or to, do you have the lyrics in front of you? I can get them easy enough. Remember, so we can remember how to love. It's something like that. There's a place I go to where no one knows me. It's not lonely. It's a necessary thing. It's a place I made up. Find out what I made of the nights I've stayed up counting stars and fighting sleep. That, right? Like going back to the place to find what we're made of is huge. It really is. All of the lyrics, though, as I'm reading through these right now, Mm -hmm. are just amazing. So I think everybody definitely check out the music video that's going to be in the show notes there. And I felt, too, that this song was actually far more spiritual than I expected. I guess for me, it was a reminder of who I am beyond this earthly realm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's what spoke to me is it's, it's a beautiful invitation to get curious about who we really are and how we're finding that space to discover that because it is an ongoing process of discovery. And one that most people I know weren't taught to cultivate at an early age, we were taught to fit in, not to dare to keep going within. Right. And I felt like Matt was wanting us to not lose sight of our own happiness in life as well. Yeah. So just an absolutely beautiful song. And he made sure to repeat the lyrics a couple of times. So it really ingrained in your head. It's kind of mantra-ish without being mantra-ish. Yes. And I feel like it could resonate with people that like any style of music. It's just really that beautiful. Yeah. You know, I think... There are artists that are emerging now that are spiritual teachers. I think Lizzo is one of those people who is, you know, standing for self-love, but in a way that's mainstream. And I think it's really, really cool when you find those gems of people who are changing the world through their, their creative art, their magic. And sharing their stories. I think it gets people to be more open. So Thank you so much, Megan, for coming on this episode. I'm really excited to see what's to come for you in 2023. And I appreciate you sharing this time and space with me. I'm so grateful to connect with you and and get to know you and hopefully serve some of your people through this conversation and have their quirky, weird, beautiful, spiritual, not spiritual humanity affirmed. So true. (laughs) We all need a little bit of that. So everyone, until the next time, stay well and God bless. If you've enjoyed spending time with me today, I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my podcast. You'll find links in the show notes to items discussed during the podcast. Check out the Try New Frequency website for my top daily music video. I love hearing from all of you. Feel free to send me an email to trynewfrequency at gmail.com. I'm sending you all love and light until the next time.